In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Something, and I'm like, oh, man. Right, he lives. Had to do what? Had to do with Dave Ortiz. Yeah. Yeah, but I was like, like, clearly you think I'm in the know more than I'm in the know. But anyway, um, but it was good to hear from you and a good reminder that I had your number and my cell phone. So that was good. So Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. I can always count on you to get back to me, even though if it's, you know, every five years. So, <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's good to be on. Thanks for having me. Um, super excited to be back up in the Northeast and, and with the Red Sox. So uh, really stoked about that. Why? Why? Why did you do this? Why did you, why did you come across country? Your brand was never hotter in San Francisco. Why did you, yeah. cry, why did you do this? Yeah, man, I think, uh, there, there's three things in life that that I want. Uh, I want to be a good husband, a good dad, and work in baseball. Um, and I was at a point in my life where I wanted to kind of bet on myself um, to up the standards of the quality of life uh, that surrounds work. So, um, you know, being close to home was, was paramount to me uh, and for me. And whatever role and capacity that was, I, I was open to a lot of different ideas. Um, you know, fortunately, it's, you know, and there was an opening in, in Boston and, um, you know, he, here we are. But um, yeah, I mean, I think at, at that point in time, I I just was, you know, been at this game for a long time. I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I love every single minute of it, but I really just want to maximize the time with my family as much as possible. And doing the the East Coast, West Coast thing as the kids get uh, get older is, is just getting tougher and tougher with you know, their schedules, you know, my daughter loves, you know, is in theater programs, my son's, you know, playing baseball and basketball. And, um, you know, we have a three-year-old as well who, you know, enjoys doing gymnastics and, and dance class. But um, yeah, no, so I, I, for me, man, honestly, it was like, if I could get an extra 20 nights a year at home, um, it means the world of, to me to be able to to wake up and take my kids to school. And, and that's all I'm looking for. So, um, you know, that, that, that was really the impetus behind me wanting to leave San Francisco. So how long did it take between when your good friend Craig Breslow got the job and the community and, and he asked you to take this job? You can you can say it now. Like it's like listen, it's, it's great. No, um, yeah, no, I, to be honest, um, I you know, I've had I had conversations with, you know, others in the organization, you know, prior you know, after they moved on from the previous pitching coach. Um, you know, I I had, you know, I was putting feelers out there to a variety of organizations and I had talks with with Boston, you know, prior to, to Craig being hired. So um, it, this wasn't dependent on Craig getting hired. This was a uh, job that I was um, seeking. Uh, and, and I really I really wanted to see if we could work it out. Uh, Craig, Craig obviously ended up getting hired and we had some conversations. And uh, as an organization, I, I totally understand uh, the diligence in which they need to act and make sure that they vet, you know, all the candidates and uh, very fortunate to to come out, um, you know, as a pitching coach and, and being hired in that capacity. So uh, it wasn't just like Craig gets hired, Andrew gets hired or anything like that. It was obviously there's a relationship there. Uh, super stoked for the opportunity to to build uh, and to help build and, and win 
uh, World Series here with the Red Sox and compete with Craig in a, in a different level, you know, in a, in a different capacity. All right. There's three guys who have 2013 World Series rings. I was going to say who are in uniform, but unless Craig Breslow is wearing a uniform, which I fully encourage. I mean, let's let's go. It's about, yeah. it's about, about time uh, chief baseball officers start wearing baseball uniforms. Come on. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Uh, but three guys have, have rings, 2013 right. rings. You, Cora, and Breslow. Like, is this the, when you get on Zoom calls with people? I don't know if Cora, does, Cora doesn't have oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not 2013. He had thirty. He has an 07. Oh, yes. That shows yes. you how old I am. They're all merged <laughs> together. So they all merged together. But when you get on Zoom calls with players whose last name rhymed with Shmamamoto, um, you know, do you say, hey, listen, we know what it takes to win. Yeah, has this, this has definitely come up that you guys have won World Series. Yeah, I mean, it has to, right? I mean, we everybody around the game, um, I don't think you have to live in the Northeast to know what an amazing um, culture Boston is, what an amazing, what amazing fan base. And there's really no other city like it. Uh, and to win in Boston is like nothing else. Uh, you know, I'm a little biased because I was fortunate to, to ride the coattails of a really good team. And um you know be a part of of something special um but man when you when you think of boston you you think of you think of the red sox and and you have people that travel to that city just to go see fenway park uh and to see the red sox play it that's pretty unique to um that city uh, the city of boston so yeah i mean obviously um the northeast uh has a has a bias from fan base and you know quote unquote demanding no man we just want to win um you know and it, it, we're not doing our job if we're not winning baseball games. And, um, you know, so at the end of the day, it's it's about winning. Uh, it's about winning multiple championships. It's about building something sustainable for a long time. Uh, that's not just like coach speak. Um, we're, we're passionate about it. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah. So on Zoom calls, like you have three, three figures within the organization um, that have experienced winning World Series playing. We know how impactful and powerful it can be to us personally to us as a team uh, and to ultimately the fan base um and we're passionate about it man that that's why that's why all three of us want to be in red sox uniforms is because we want to we want to experience that again that was a test i'm actually cutting that video that last two minutes and oh, so for those zoom calls that you can't show up to we're just going to play that for prospective free agents all right yeah 100 but yeah no i mean i think like there, there's a lot of layers to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think it's fairly unique to say that, you know, as an organization, um, you know, uh, if, if players are looking for jobs post-career too, there's openings as well. So um, you'll never, listen, I, I, there's something to be said and not because I covered you and covered your, their teams. I mean, there's something to be said they're being around players and being around teams. And I know what, uh, I know that, you know, you had a, the bump in the road in 2013, but still being around you, I knew sort of that you were a good teammate. You were a smart guy there. You were a part of that fabric, um, which so before we get to the here and the now, I do want to reflect on uh, two things that I remember covering you. Be yeah. Number one, I just mentioned this, and we were going to bring up the fitness test in 2012. Because it's we're coming up on best shape of our life season. I don't know if you know this, Andrew. 
100%. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. Everyone's in the best shape. Or as Ryan Brazier honestly said, I'm, I've never been in the best shape of my life. So, <laughs> uh, but in 2012, you guys did the Valentine year. You guys did fitness tests, right? Mm-hmm. And your vertical jump was off the charts, but there was a price to pay for it, right? Um, yeah, I don't remember the, the price. You, st- you strained your lat. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Testing. Uh, like, why, why do you don't here's, – here's my first bit of advice for you, okay, as pitching coach. Yep. Don't do vertical jump tests for pitchers. It doesn't matter. Uh, it, there, there's there's some matter in there, I would say. Oh, but I, okay. I think, I, think, I think, like, reaching at, like, peak height uh, probably isn't, you know, indicative of, of the output of, of an athlete. But um, – yeah, no, I would encourage. Uh, yes, uh, Rob, I, I I think that some vertical test jumping uh, there is correlations to you okay. know velocity and output. Um, you know, understanding you know what we need to work on with each athlete um, from you know whether it's pitching, strength and conditioning, medical, SMS lens, whatever that mental health. Uh, there's a multitude of departments, but yeah, I I, I forgot that man. I, at that point in my life. I literally couldn't do anything without getting hurt. I don't know what it was. Uh, my body's sign of just like, just giving up on me. But um, anyway, yeah, that, I do remember well, that now that you said that well, I was signed okay. on for a little bit. This is fair. So you, all these years I've been saying, don't do any of this because it doesn't serve a purpose. You, this is your first step of educating me. Thank you. That there is a purpose for doing it. And this is coming from someone who paid the ultimate price of hurting their lat doing it so thank you yes yeah of course all right of course so the yeah, second... like for, there's a difference like force production right like you gotta the the delivery is a transfer of energy down the mound you put force into the ground by the rubber you accept force on your landing leg and you can measure those two things and we know that like the more force applied into the ground and if you're able to accept that force uh works up the chain and out the hand and we increase velocity so um that's like the rudimentary version. So I like, oh, man, you're good. Already, you're passing. And, and so, because you, now you got me geeking out, uh, I want to get your, this was not the the list of, list of uh, I don't want to say questions because I don't have a list of questions. But, but since you're talking about all the scientific stuff, one thing that, you know, I know Kenley Jansen, for instance, he did a good job of, he was always working out and always doing, and he knew that the pitch clock was going to be a thing. And I saw guys doing more sprints. So tell me, as long as we're geeking out here, tell me how the pitch clock affected how you condition pitchers. Yeah, um, I I would lean on uh, one of our strength and conditioning coaches for that in terms of uh, changes and adaptations they made to uh, the strength and conditioning programs. But um, in terms of like training on – you know, last off season or during spring training, we literally just put pitch clocks in the bullpen and um, kind of started practicing. And then we iterated to through spring training and uh, grew accustomed to it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know, you know, recovery, you know, if, if, if we, if we change the rate of recovery and their workouts um, that could be a change. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I just had a question, you know, I was on a, on a call with like major league baseball on, on something and, you know, at the end of the day, like the heart doesn't know if you're like going to run 20 poles or if, you know, you're riding a bike for whatever. It's getting the same, you know, the same work. So, um, yeah, with Kenley, man, he's a hard worker. 
Um, definitely knows what he's doing. He's been around for a long time. Uh, he has his routines dialed in and um, sometimes they're, they're hard to change when, when, when those, when those implements change. So uh, he did a great job of, of making those uh, changes as well. Yeah. I'm just curious because you know more than I do. Um, one of the many times I will say that over the course of this year. Um, so the other part was you had, you tell me if, if you remember this or if I'm wrong, you identified your thumb issues, right? When you eat your thumb issues yeah. off of looking at a baseball card. No, I, so I got in a collision at first base. Uh, I remember but the way, uh, the way that you were gripping the, the ball. Yeah. So grip the ball. I go, I used to go thumb under. Yeah. Um, and the previous day I pitched against Pittsburgh, um, were they in Bradenton? Is that right? Yeah. Bradenton. Yeah. yeah. So I pitched at Bradenton. There was a, there was a play at first base. Um, the through the throw, like first baseman kind of bobbled the ball, it went into foul territory. I was sprinting and he had to throw the ball through the baseline kind of caught it on, on, on this side of me. And when I went to put my hand out to stop the runner, he ran right through me at his hip and snapped the UCL in my thumb. So I didn't really have like pain. Um, I was just like, out. like what, what happened? Um, went to go like squeeze a shampoo bottle and like, I couldn't lift, I couldn't squeeze it. And it just like fell out of my hand. Uh, and then the next day at practice, I'm trying to throw a baseball and like, I couldn't put any pressure on my thumb. It would just like, it was broken pretty much. I tore the ligament. Um, so yeah, I, I did, I remember this because I remember telling, telling someone in the media or a coach about my shampoo bottle experience. And then that got into uh, media. Um, and it was like, Andrew tore his thumb squeezing a shampoo bottle. And that wasn't the, the case. Um, so, but that's why I was like, that was like, I went to go like shower after the game. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? It felt weird. It wasn't like immense pain, but I couldn't squeeze. And it was like, it was really strange. But maybe, um, maybe it was after, I don't know, but like I, I just, Mike Ryan, like the whole baseball, you had, you, you, you noticed that you were holding the ball a certain way by the baseball card. Um, yeah, I always went thumb under. Yeah. That's unique. Um, you know, the pitchers hold the ball differently. I leverage my thumb a lot. I put a ton of pressure on it, and I just literally could not throw a baseball. Perfect. So I'm going I'm to run with my story. I like it. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think there was something where Reinhold saw a baseball card of me. It was like, hey, you throw with your thumb weird. And I was like, yes. uh, this is how I've always thrown a baseball. And and maybe that backs your story. I, I don't know. So. Yeah, absolutely. You you saved me right there. You, you saved yeah. Me. Uh, so, yeah, that was it. And then Beckett had the same thing, and he threw the ball very similar to me. Uh, it was a big thing. So then everybody was like, is there a correlation between thumb UCL injuries and uh, the way you hold the baseball? And I don't think there is. So Perfect. We, we, get to the, we get to where I needed you to go. So I appreciate okay. it. No doubt. All right. So let's, let's talk about – the one of the obviously besides being able to be home and and going to new organization but now it's i really find it interesting about what you 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 gave the pitch for boston you gave the pitch for the red sox which i'm sure has happened before but then from your your perspective and your job it's to this is for let's say perspective free agents um, this is what we see in you. This is what we have. This is what we envision going forward, right? Am I yeah. correct me if I'm wrong so far? Yes. Yeah. yeah, spot on. Right. So 
Uh, let's go with the guy that we know that you signed, Lucas Giolito. Take, right. I think people will be really interested in sort of taking me through that process from your perspective, from what you did or what you saw and what you are seeing and, and how he felt and his reaction, all of that. Take me through that. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> I think uh, I think like every organization, we're I, able to identify you know certain things um, using our variety of departments working together. Um, this is not a one stop shop. Um, I, I view myself as a consultant to players. Um, you know, they have their agents um, that they surround themselves with, family to help them support business decisions, contract negotiations. Uh, we we want to be their consultants for for pitching for baseball. Um, we we want this to be a two way street. We will provide them um, you know insights and um, data to support and information, thoughts and ideas. Uh, we definitely take their thoughts and ideas in as well. Um, this isn't like hey you have to do this or you can't come here. Um, we we want it to be. Uh, in order to sign with the Boston Red Sox, I want to know that like hey this is what we identified and like this is what we want to work on. If you want to be a part of that, like come join us and we're going to do it together. Um, you know, and that doesn't stop throughout the course of the season. Like we're always supporting our players with information and data and definitely not going to hide the ball. Like that, that's like one of the biggest things for me is like, Hey, we got to, we got to be better here, whether it's process, certain process metrics or, or whatever uh, delivery or the way we're attacking hitters, uh, pitch shape, whatever it is, um, you know, compliance to nutrition or strength. Yeah, there's so many departments. So definitely want to be a sounding board for the players. I'm fortunate enough that, you know, surrounded by a lot of great people um, that are really good at their jobs. I also believe that like, I am not, don't need to be the the vessel in which delivers the information. Um, we all have relationships with uh, our, our coworkers differently. Uh, and if a pitcher has a better relationship with a bullpen coach or an analyst or, uh, you know, a trainer, like, I want I want that voice in the room when we're having conversations um, and maybe even sometimes them delivering certain messages, um, because if if I if I don't have the best relationship with the player doesn't make me a bad person. It just means like, hey, we don't five together and that's OK. I, I, I can't I can't do it all by myself. So um, leveraging the people around me to get the best out of them to help get the best out of the players is, is the way I like to work. Uh, and, and Lucas specifically. You're talking about a guy who's not very far removed from being one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, you know, there's some things that change. You know, you you look to do certain things uh, and always evolve uh, and develop. I, I really do believe that, like, players don't stop developing at the major league level. We can't stop developing at the uh, – we can't stop development at the major league level. Us as people are never done developing, so, like, why should just pitchers in general and, like, what you do for work – uh, I also think that there's a certain um, knowledge of like knowing your strengths and doubling down and tripling down on your strengths and like when to start stretching for kind of gray area and and certain other um, attributes of pitching, whether it be pitch shaping or velocity or, you know, whatever, um, you know, trying different things in areas of the zone. Um, sometimes when we dabble in those areas, um, we get out of whack, you know what I mean? Or something happens, there's always a cause and effect, generally speaking. And sometimes when we can kind of identify what happened um, to, to kick you out of how you like to move or the way that the ball comes out of your hand and we can help you get back to the best version of you, um, using all of those different departments, 
putting a plan together to help you do that. And then we go out and execute. So I was going to ask you what you what you liked in Giolito, like what you said, okay, this is what we see. We liked you, but I'm going to off of what you said, it seems like there might be something. And, and listen, this is this is happening in baseball. The Dodgers are notorious for it. A lot of you know you got did it with the Giants of let's focus on the pitch, right? Let's focus on your strength, what you just said. With Lucas, what is the thing? What do you feel like his strength is? What is the thing that yeah. you feel like you said, hey, yeah, we feel like if you lean into this a little bit more, then yeah. it'll take you net to the next step. Yeah. I mean, I think like high level view of of pitching in general, uh, there's certain things that make big leaguers big leaguers. Um, you know. Knowing your strengths is priority. Uh, what separates you from the packs? Sometimes that's you know physical, mental. Uh, sometimes that's you know pure velo. Sometimes that's a certain pitch shape. Uh, but typically speaking, there's one or two things that separate you, um, you know, from the group and makes you outlier, makes you um, unique. Um, you know, and we can double down on that along with like being in the zone and being ahead of counts as as, as much as you can. Um, but with Lucas, I mean, I believe that every, you know, you look at every, most every pitcher around the game of baseball is a, you know, who's created a name for themselves has an identity. You know, Lucas is known as a deception King with, you know, an elite changeup, you know, and, and that's, that's been his bread and butter. And, um, we kind of got away from that for a little bit. Um, you know, try to dabble in certain areas. We saw, you know, I don't know, Rob, if you're familiar with a break chart, are you familiar with like a, a break chart, pitch break no. chart? Well, just say that say that I am, but I want our listeners to be more familiar with it. Yeah. So like the break chart's kind of an ecosystem, right? There's like it's a live ecosystem. If you if you chase, you know, horizontal break on a slider, you know, the, the change up may come along with it. And you know, you might kick it out of uh out of a certain movement profile. But um that that's really like subtle there. But I, I think like, yeah, I think we've seen things sh- change um you know not with just you know lucas specifically but like other pitchers as well um and just putting him in a position to succeed surrounding our players with support um you know love and empathy to be the best versions of themselves every single fifth day or every time they they come in the game um that's what we want right we want to we want to maximize their production um not only for the red sox but for themselves uh and putting our guys in a position to succeed Every single time they touch the mound is, is the kind of the name of the game. So helping Lucas, I mean, the, the gist of the story is just helping Lucas get back to the best version of himself. Yeah, but I think you nailed it. Honestly, like I think it's sometimes you just need that reminder. This is why you're so good, you know, yeah. and because yeah. and that's OK. That's OK. It's OK to be so good. You know, like what, what inhibits us from being great is being OK with being good. Right. Like, you know, we chase greatness uh, sometimes to the to the, the the detriment of ourselves and now we just aren't even good we just are you know we we struggle and being being complacent in t- in terms of like being good is makes you great in this game because this game's really hard you play a long time and if you stack together a lot of really good years you're a great player i t- tell you what baseballs and boring has been more so motivational last week i just told you that we had nolan jones on and nolan said his turning point was when his mother said to him, Nolan Jones is good enough. Nolan Jones is good enough. Yeah. Lucas Giolito is good enough. That's what you said. There you yeah. go. 
Brian Bayo is good enough. Brian you know, Hunter Crawford is good. Like all of these guys, they're good enough. We just have to get them understanding what they do really well. Um, you know, obviously there's a little bit of like, you know, um, tweaks here and there or whatever we need to do, but yeah, man, embrace who you are, um, and, and go, you know, um, and, and just attack, you know, can you, get, can you give me another example of maybe a guy, you know, on the staff that you've looked at that sort of might trend that way? Um, and obviously everybody's different and obviously everyone has a different story and it's not just as simple as say, Hey, you go throw that pitch, but that's for maybe for you on this staff that you've looked at or you had conversations with is really intriguing when they start simplifying it. You're excited to see what that might result in. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a, there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of guys that I'm, I'm, been working with and we've been communicating with over the last few months. Um, we've just kind of finished another round of, you know, player plan calls, so to say, as we approach spring training and guys are all working on, on, on different things. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a high ceiling for a lot of these guys, you know, you know, Bayo, Cutter Crawford, Pavetta, all, I mean, obviously the, the starters come to mind, um, you know, the relievers, you know, I think there's some uniqueness into, um, you know, some roles and some different things in the bullpen as well. Um, it's kind of undefined right now, but uh, in terms of the rotation, I, I, I think as a pitching staff, you know, we can, we can take a step forward uh, in, in a few different areas, but leveraging our best weapons um, as often as we can is, is the name of the game. And, um, you know, I think you're going to see that this, this upcoming season. Well, it's, you mentioned Bayo and he's an interesting one because he, 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 everyone gets excited when someone learns a new pitch. Right. Everyone gets it. But at the same time, to come back to what we're talking about, well, you know, this guy has a really good changeup, pretty good fast. How would you how would you view Bayo? Is he is is he one of these he's so young and I'm like he's learning so on the fly here. So how would you how do you view him in terms of that what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean his changeup's devastating. Um, you know, did he use it enough? last year did he did he leverage his best pitches as often as possible um you know which counts did he leverage his pitches in um there's there's growth and development uh and maturation with young players that that takes time um understanding his strengths and what he does and what makes him outlier i think there's another righty with a pretty good change up from my previous in- employer that was young when we first started uh that's turned into you know an upper echelon pitcher in the national league and uh, I think there's a lot of similarities there, um, you know, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to to work with him, watch him compete, watch him grow. Um, you know, there's going to be ebbs and flows during the season. And, and I think if we can take our practices and routines and our education and understanding to another level individually, um, pitching and pitching at the major league level is tough, man. It's, it's walking the tightrope, you know? Um, and if we, if we fall off that tightrope and that net is, a hundred feet below, all of a sudden we're looking at three, four or five starts a month and a half before we can pick ourselves up. But if we have understanding of what we're trying to do, if we know our strengths, if we have our routines and our do- and our goals dialed in, that net is now 10 feet and it's, we drop for two innings. We drop for three innings. Maybe it's a start and we're right back on because we, we understand who we are as a pitcher. We understand our identity. We understand our routines and what makes us tick. Uh, and we can just jump right back on that horse because we have a really high level foundation. So building the foundation, building the floors higher uh, is kind of what I'm about. Um, and and we'll get there. It's just, you know, things take time. 
Um, but I can I can I can promise you that we'll we'll be we'll be we'll be uh, in a, in a position to succeed. Before you go on, do you get excited talking about this stuff? I mean, this, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I'm sorry, I'm, I want to go pitch right now. Rob. Well, that's what I'm talking. Well, that's what, that's my main goal. It's like I should like to. You know, we had Lavello on last year, and I said, "Give me your, give me your." You know, you know how they all have like the managers have the speech to the whole organization spring, first day of spring training. Give me yeah. your speech. <laughs> it ended with "Let them buy their teams." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 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 that's but this is I'm wor- letting you workshop your speech to the pitchers, so you're welcome. Yeah, well, I appreciate. It. I mean, they've all heard it. Um, you know, I've. <laughs> It's, 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 it's uh, what I believe in, man. I, I believe in like anything. It's like, you know, we're a byproduct as humans of what we've done for the last 90 days. And if you can take a look and if you haven't had consistency, uh, accountability and any urgency in your life in the last 90 days, whether it's for you and what you, what you want to do, whether it's your work, whatever it is, like you're going to have nothing in 90 days from now if you don't if you don't understand what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish. So when you when you speak about like specific pitch movement, I think generally like understanding each individual pitch and what we're trying to do and accomplish through not only like execution but from from a movement standpoint and the utility in the arsenal um is very very valuable. So uh a lot of education, um a lot of uh doubling down on strengths uh, taking a look at usage uh, and leveraging our best weapons as often as possible. All right. Here's another question, which I don't have an answer to because I don't never been a pitching coach and I've never uh, been a pitching coach in the off season. Uh, you guys get a guy named Richard Fitz from the Yankees. Um, yep. From your perspective, I'm interested to see how that comes about. Um, and, and with the understanding, I get it. There's a lot of people involved. There's, there's a ton of people involved in this. But for you, Andrew Bailey, is it – I knew this kid. He was on our radar when he was with the Giants. I knew of him. Um, maybe I didn't know anything about him. Yeah. Uh, hey, Andrew, will you take a look at the video of this guy? Like, And then, obviously, you prioritize him and you get him. Yeah. How does that work? How, how did it work? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I I – don't know all the all the ins and outs of every trade and acquisition. No, so um, so so you didn't. So they weren't like, hey, who do you like in the Yankees organization? So all right, I just want to. No, I mean, like you know, I, I think there's certain certain um, players that I'll take peeks at, and um, you know, we have we have a multitude of of um, staff that are probably better at the acquisition side of of things. Um, that's not my you know kind of mo, so to say. Um, learning and developing, um, getting better at that, trying to understand that. But I think there's a, you know, certain things, you know, Brez or, you know, someone in our department, you know, maybe like, Hey, Bells, can you take a look at it and let me, you know, let me know some thoughts. But, um, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, Richard before, before we acquired him, um, didn't look at him in San Francisco. So there's certain guys that I, I may have, um, looked at previously, but, yeah, from from that that from those acquisitions, yeah, that's not really like what what. No, that's the, fair. Uh, that's fair. Is. And like, and I, again, you're answering my question. I don't know how this works. Yeah. So have you have you had a chance to look at him since? Yeah, I mean, I think you know between him and Greg and and some other guys. Yeah, I mean, every every pitcher that we're looking at, um, you know, whether it's the cutter, the fastball, the slider, you know, um, all of that stuff. You know, I think there's a player plan development through 
the director of pitching, our our different um, coordinators, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, obviously our analytics group, um, you know, so there's 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 uh, collaboration on a lot of these plans and every plan and uh, working on a, on a variety of, of um, player plans. So when you look at, obviously, you know, with when it comes to acquiring pitchers, what do you, what do you, what do you like? I mean, the the narrative with Craig is he likes Vela. I mean, I'm I, I this I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not painting this with a broad brush. He likes okay. velocity. Like yeah. for, for you in this day and age of pitching, we know strike one's important. It's science, right? Yeah. So for yeah. you, when say you have these free agent pitchers, and not necessarily even the higher end ones, but guys that you maybe want to acquire, what is yeah. it? What are the things that you like to prioritize? Yeah, strike throwing. Oh, um, there you go. All right. Yeah, um, I, I think we all know, you know, what the count leverage tree looks like. Um, you know, in terms of expected slug and damage as the at bat goes on. Um, you know, first pitch strikes is huge for me. Um, you know, I think you know. Um, Winning, winning the first three pitches, we have certain certain statistics um, that we that we track and monitor. Um, I think putting some accountability, um, gamifying certain things, um, being uh, you know as open and honest, um, not hiding the ball from where guys are at and where they need to be. What is league average? And if you're not league average, like wh- wh- where are we going wrong? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of those things are. Uh, or what we can look at. So understanding that stuff plays uh, in zone. If a guy has um, tendencies to, you know, be out of the zone, what are the things we can do to help him get in zone? Um, is it a mindset? Is it, you know, constraint bullpens? Is it, you know, a delivery tweak? Um, you know, is it proprioception? A lot, a lot of different things. Wait, wait, um, stop. stop. Yeah. What, what was that word? Uh, pro- like, uh, being right time, right place at release, um, you know, being able to control your body and space, uh, understanding and being like self-aware of where your hand is like proprioception, right? So like, you know, how, how, like, does my body know where my hand is at release? Um, you know, and, and creating feel, so to say, but, um, yeah, there's a variety of things that go into strike throwing. Um, but I think, to, to have success at the major league level, I think about it as like kind of our department, our run prevention department. Um, we are in the business of like run suppression. So, you know, uh, okay. I, I, I like think baseball, running. yeah, I think baseball's thriving right now. Um, you know, we, we <laughs> want to suppress runs as much as possible. So, um, you know, and, and there's, there's other people out there that are trying to increase runs. Right. So, um, yeah. So as long as we, can keep our players accountable to the the process in which we believe can keep runs off the board as a run prevention unit. Um, it should put our offense in a really good position to succeed. It should put our team in a good uh, position to succeed. Uh, and as long as, as long as we can hold true to those things, hold our players accountable, hold our coaches accountable, uh, and then find the personnel that can execute it. Um, it will be in a good spot. I don't know if you can, touch on this but i just find it interesting about you know i joked about yamamoto before but he's a unique guy right i mean he's a unique guy the red sox has interest i would imagine like you had some part of it whatever but my question is what intrigued you about him like what you can i mean it's not like this isn't tampering you can talk about him it's it's okay 
you can admire him. I do. He's a great pitcher. Yeah. So is there anything yeah. you can say, like, what what intrigued you about that whole deal? Yeah, I mean, he's had a ton of success, um, you know, over in, in Japan and the MPB and um, young guy who, um, you know, has a really unique arsenal. There's there's a lot to love about it, a, a lot that's untapped. Um, you know, obviously, you know, playing in Major League Baseball is a little bit different, um, but, you know, even when I was, you know, with San Francisco watching, you know, last summer, you know, kind of going back on video, watching his starts and just kind of, you're just infatuated with, with the, the person, the story and and how unique he is and, um, you know, who he is as a pitcher. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's, he's a special talent, you know? So well played. <laughs> uh, but you know, you mentioned Japanese pitchers and, and Bannister was on here and he said that one of the intriguing thing about the advantage, because there's a lot of talk about Japanese pitchers of adjustments and everything else. But one of the interesting things about the advantages is obviously a lot of them come up out of the out of the, the you know the elementary school throwing a splitter, right? Yeah. And and whereas in 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 the United States, it's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Um, is that first of all, I like to get your perspective of that, like of 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 you studied it and Bannister, obviously huge. You worked with him, like huge, huge proponent of a splitter. Um, yep. So what's your perspective of it? Yeah, I love splitters. Um, splitters generate tons of swing and miss. You know, it's how we keep points off the board. Um, not everybody can throw them. It's a super unique pitch. Um, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it, you know, and, and having the privilege to, to work with, you know, a variety of guys with different splits. It's, there's a love hate and relationship with, with those pitches, man. Um, you know, you can speak to anybody who has a, has a splitter. It's literally probably the most frustrating pitch. Um, it's just so unique. And, um, yeah, we, we don't do a great job of developing splitters in the United States. Um, you know, for some reason, Japan has, uh, kind of cornered the market there in terms of their ability to teach splitters at a young age. Um, you know, and it's very unique and, you know, I think I, I've heard, heard some organizations out there um, that have had like splitter camps and, mm. um, you know, velo camps or whatever it is. But, yeah, we I think as an industry, we understand the value of a splitter and, and how good it is in an arsenal. And, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a lethal weapon for sure. You, you didn't throw one, did you? No, I didn't. Uh, I tried. I think the- I actually threw. Man, my shoulder was like. On its, it's, it still doesn't work right. But I think Salty was catching, and I had been practicing a splitter because at this point in time in 2013, like I shouldn't have been like Well, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I was still competing, um, and I was very stubborn, um, and uh, I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back on the IL. I'm not going back on the IL. And um, I started messing around with the split. I think I actually th- threw one in a game. Um, I, I don't. I forget what happened, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't very memorable. I don't, I don't know if it was like it didn't get put in play. But yeah, I, I, that's that's how bad I was that back then. Well, did um, you talk you to know. did you talk to Koji? I mean, he's, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. How do you do this? I mean, it's, yeah, I couldn't do it. You know, I think it just was a unique. Uh, now, some of the things I know. Uh, and learned over the years, some from from Banny himself. Um, I, I would it would be interesting if I could go back then. Um, I kind of live in the space right now of like 
man, if I if I knew then what I know now, oh. you know, like everybody does. Um, well, yeah. Well, I was going to say this, Andrew, that that there are certain pitchers where I would love to hook them up to the contraptions that you have these days. Koji's one, right? Koji, the, the, his fastball, I don't even know if you were measuring spin rate then, but like, okay, he's throwing this 90-mile-hour fastball that's like jumping past everybody. What's going on? You know, yeah. it's Papelbon in, early in his career was the same way. So yeah. I don't know if, if those guys, like who would jump out? Like if we, like you said, if I only knew now what I knew then, yeah. But there are guys that you you probably at that time were like, what? How's this happening? What's going on? Yeah, totally, totally. I agree. I agree. Was Koji one of them? Like, did you did you guys sit there and say, "Wow, is this happening?" Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just throwing like ninety mile an hour fastballs by dudes. Um, it probably had a ton of vert and coming from a like, uh, you know, the vertical approach angle, of the fastball is you know thrown from like, but the split was like the 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 identity of Koji. You know what I mean? And um, that that was a wipeout weapon. Well, all right. Well, you're getting ready. You got a place in Fort Myers yet? It's been a uh, few years. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I don't know exactly the name of the complex I'm staying at, but... Don't tell. We don't want people going there. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I, yeah, not not sure. But yes, I the organization helped me find some some housing down there. I heard it's pretty difficult. Yeah, it's all. There's a lot of things to listen. It's we're not digging ditches, but you know, you, you get a month in the spring training in Fort Myers. It feels like it, but uh, but hey, it's really good catching up with you. Um, and and uh, you're bringing back some good memories. And um, I and uh, most importantly, man, like I love I love like the the fact that I have to tell you lower the heart rate when when you're talking about pitching. So that's yeah. It. No, I'm passionate about it, man. I I uh, it's. It's like I said at the beginning, man. It's I want to work in baseball, be a good wife, or be a good husband, and, and be a good father. And um, that's that's like that's it to me. Everything revolves around if if I'm not doing something in my day that like involves one of those buckets, you know, it's it's not worth my time. So uh, I'm passionate about baseball. I love it. Um, I'm learning to to grow in in the organization and uh, learning every, all the ins and outs and. Um, it's been fun getting to know the players and, and AC and the coaching staff. Uh, we'll be up in Boston, you know, here in, in, in the next couple of days and um, super stoked about that. So, uh, but yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on anytime. Uh, it's good catching up for sure. Yeah. Well, good for you. You got the t-shirts coming up. Okay. Awesome. It'll, it'll make that injured lat like you'd never better. So it's going to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.